What's up, loves? This show is Love or Obsession. I'm Queen, the host. Hey, y'all. What's good? What's new? Talk to me nice. Shout out to Dream Doll. Oh, y'all. Let be, oh, let's talk about these tornadoes and severe thunderstorms that's been going on. It a ripped through DuPage County, Naperville, Woodridge. A lot of homes was destroyed. Um, and you can actually see the tornado on camera, too. It's real weird and freaky. But, yeah, they coming together. The communities are coming together. The neighbors are coming together to help clean up. Um, hopefully, everybody can get rebuilt and get back to what they was used to before they were struck by this natural disaster, this tragedy. Tornadoes, y'all, as well. Um, well, yeah, you know, speaking about... I'm talking about speaking about my last episode. Like, who the hell was speaking about your last episode, Queen? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> but no, no, but no, y'all, speaking about my last episode, I mentioned the House of LaBeja, but I didn't mention Mrs. Crystal LaBeja. Like... How dare I? You know, she founded the House of LaBeja um, due to the inequalities that was going on in the ballroom scenes um, back in those days in the 1960s. Um, and that gave black and Latina performers uh, room to walk, but not win a ball. Like the, the regular ballroom scenes that was like, um, I, I don't want to say predominantly white, um, but yeah, those ballroom scenes gave black and Latina performers room to walk, but they didn't give them room to win. And I'm not even really gonna say, well, yeah, that because a lot of people in the documentaries, because I watched the documentary The Queen too, and it it talks about a um um oh my god, because Rachel Harlow and how how um, Crystal LaBeja felt like she should have won and got the title. But, you know, and a lot of people were saying, like, Crystal was a beauty. She was, you know. And I like how even though she was upset about not winning, she didn't personally attack Harlow. And to me, you know, um, the competition did seem to be, like, all about Harlow. But people like what they like, and the judges probably was looking for a specific look. Um, Harlow could have tuned up her appearance a bit more. Look, let me stop, because um, like Crystal said, Harlow, you're young, you're beautiful, you deserve the very best. But no, I think um, maybe Miss Crystal LaBeja had a little chip on her shoulder, because she did win, she had just won a title, Miss Manhattan, and um, and that was a big thing for her, so maybe she was feeling herself a little bit. But no, but thanks to that, it started the houses and the ball culture, and it it opened up a lot of doors for a lot of girls, and it opened up a lot of room. It gave a lot of room and leeway for people to be themselves and broaden up that ballroom horizon and open up different categories. But yeah, I just wanted to say that I cannot have mentioned the House of LaBeja without mentioning Mrs. Crystal LaBeja, baby. Um, I wish it was more out there about her, like, I just been stuck on um, <laughs> stuck in the ballroom for the past couple of weeks um cuz I'm intrigued. Okay, y'all. So getting into the story, you guys, looking at my demographics, I see I have some Australia listeners, and that made me feel all good and warm like even if y'all hate me, which I hope y'all don't, but even if y'all hate me, y'all listened and I appreciate that and that's love. 
<laughs> I turn everything into love. Motherfuckers be like, bitch, fuck you, die. I hate you. I be like, oh, I love you too. <laughs> I'm so crazy. That's probably why people don't bother me because I'm just so crazy. Somebody try to fight me, I just bust out and start praying for their <laughs> He was like, let me just leave this crazy, sick in the head motherfucker alone. But whatever, y'all. Um, but yeah, Australia, what the fuck is up? It's Gucci Manaji. Um, so y'all probably guessed by now that I'm doing the Australia story. Um, today and maybe next week as well, we gonna be chilling down under in Australia. Okay. Um, one thing I noticed about crimes in Australia is that it's a lot of fuck shit crimes committed against children well back then I don't know what's going on now I haven't seen any recent stories as of yet that I came across but when I researched Australia men and women shout out to Murderpedia um it's a lot of crimes committed against children and that ain't cool you know we want our kids to grow and so many people are dying young like it'd be like pick on someone your own size too though you know but you know, people get attitudes and stuff, and the first thing they want to do is probably take it out or pick on somebody that they know ain't going to give them back that same pressure that they trying to apply. It's like apply that pressure with somebody that's going to push back on your ass and see how far you push then, you know? Um, because I don't like bully stuff. I've never been a bully. I never liked the concept of bullying or none of that stuff. Um, or even just like picking on somebody small do you even though when people try to do that I seen a lot of like I don't want to say little people because that's not a good term that's not a proper term because I'm just talking about individuals that are short in height I'm not talking about actual little people um but I just seen them get down like really like beat some people up <laughs> like for real have you ever seen somebody that's like four eleven five feet like beat somebody up that was like five seven or something six feet um it, it can happen y'all uh, don't sleep on people for real um Iggy Azalea she's Australian if I'm not mistaken um so getting into the story my listener from Australia let me quit I know it's about five of y'all now let me know if y'all heard of this story though because of course I haven't heard it before I never know about anything y'all need to start putting me up on game like if y'all love me y'all need to start putting me up on game because I don't be knowing nothing. I be putting y'all up on game. I put y'all up on the stuff that I know and that I'm interested in. Now, let me stop. Okay, so now, um, Eugenia Fellini um, was a female to male transgendered man convicted of murder in 1917. Eugenia was born July 25th, 1875 in Livorno or Florence, Italy. So this is an old time story. Um, and his nationality will be Italian, Australian. Um, the oldest of 22 children, which 17 survived, 10 boys and 7 girls. Back in those days, to raise up 17 children was a blessing because a lot of babies wasn't surviving um, due to from one disease or another, you know. Um, the family migrated to New Zealand in 1877 when Eugenia was two years old. His father was known to be a very stern man and would discipline the children with no hesitation. Um, and his father was worked as a carrier with a horse, and to me that sounded like a mailman for that time, and a fisherman amongst other occupations. And so it was said that 
Um, so I'm guessing that Eugenia's mother stayed home and tended to the house and raised up the children because it was 17 of them, my God. So Eugenia being the oldest, I guess um, he had to, you know, provide a hand whenever he could. Um, and his father dressed him in boys' clothing and helped with work. So I guess that's what had had him grown accustomed to or felt he had to um, if he wanted to work and fly solo dolo away from the family like um he had grown accustomed to dressing like a boy for work because back then girls couldn't get work um and maybe but then i i said eugenia was said to have been a serial runaway but it was also said that he was shunned from his family so this was more about I said, so this was more than dress more. This was about more than dressing up in men's clothing. Um, this was more of an identity that needed to be recognized. So it seemed to me from the very beginning, Eugenia, born a female, knew instantly that that wasn't the identity that he was meant to have. Okay. Um, during his teenage years, he worked in brickyards and stables as Eugene, and it seemed that he wasn't a stranger to hard work. All of his jobs were manual, hard labor. Um, in September 1894, Eugene married a man, but found out that the husband was already married. Not cool at all. Um, not cool with that. In 1895, Eugenia went to work aboard a ship. And for less than two years, he lived and worked in peace aboard that ship until one night, according to his own account, he was having a drunken conversation with the captain and told a personal story of his grandmother calling him Piccolina. And that's the Italian film, feminine form of the noun Lutuan instead of Piccolino, the masculine form. So with this information, the captain decided to start brutally raping Eugenia and then deserted and impregnated Eugenia at the ship's next stop, which was in Newcastle, New South Wales, Australia. Um, Eugenia was the deserted because the captain wasn't shit, and also because traditionally it was bad luck to have women aboard a ship. Um, in Australia, Eugenia gave birth to a daughter named Josephine, and a baby was placed in the care of an Italian-born woman living in the area um so at this point Fellini trusted this woman with his baby and once the home and once a home was found for Josephine Eugenia went on to live life um in fact the next 22 years of his life as Harry Leo Crawford so now the year is 1912 Fellini I'm going to start calling I'm going to start referring to Eugenia Eugenia as Fellini by his last name because at this time in his life I'm speaking of everyone knows him as Harry Crawford um so Fellini starts working for Dr. C GRC Clark in northern Sydney and he was a sulky driver and the man that handled or handled this or handled that you know so just a very useful person and a sulky driver was just like his seat, um, underneath the seat was two wheels, um, and in front, a harness horse. So if you need a visual, I guess it's like a, um, a, um, 
like a bare wagon, like a wagon that don't have like the enclosure part of it, if that makes sense, if y'all understand where I'm coming from. Um, so working for Dr. Clark, he met Dr. Clark's housekeeper, which was a lady named Annie Burkett. And she was a widow with a 13-year-old son. Annie's son name was Harry also, you guys. So that name Harry was pretty popular back then because Fellini actually took the name Harry from a man that he knew once before. Um, so... Okay, so Harry... Uh, Fellini wanted Annie to be his. Annie and her son Harry moved to Balmain, a suburb on the west side of Sydney, New South Wales, Australia. And she had savings. She had her own money. Um, I don't know if she saved her money from working or if she had money from being a widow. Um, But she had her own money and she set up a confectionery shop. And Fellini followed her to Balmain. And Balmain, I didn't know that that was in Australia because, like, the fashion, I know the Kardashians wear a lot of Balmain um, because Kanye West, he used to work very closely to the um, Balmain founder. And also, uh, I'll never forget a video of Trina, the rapper. She was going off, like, snapping on somebody that was trying to, like, drag her name through the dirt or something. And she had on a Balmain T-shirt. And she was like, yeah, I got him Balmain. This real Balmain. I was like, <laughs> okay, Trina, girl, if I ever need somebody snapped on, I'm coming to get you, okay? And I need you to snap, honey, because she she snaps, okay? Uh, she like, I got him real Balmain. So shout out to Balmain, Australia. I didn't know that, though, y'all. Oh, okay, so, and so the couple was married February 19, 1913. February 19, 1913. February 19, 19. That was so weird. I don't know why that just hit me so catchy, y'all. But y'all know how I usually sing and rap every episode. I have not had a song in my heart. I don't know why. Um, maybe my spirit is, is a little low. Um, that's a fact. Um, but I haven't had a song in my heart, y'all. Now, everything was all good with Fellini and his wife until his daughter Josephine showed up. Uh-oh. I was going to go into a rant about step-parents and stepchildren, but this story not about that because I'm sure Annie was quite lovely to Josephine. Um, the problem comes in when an individual has a secret, no matter how big or small, even though this one was big to me, but it's about someone having a secret that they want to protect at all costs. You got a good thing going and then someone who really knows you from your past shows up. And in this case, Josephine was Fellini's child. So he didn't want to turn her away. Um, The woman who cared for her was a lady named Mrs. DeAngelis. Um, Josephine called her Granny, the lady who um, Fellini left his daughter with at birth. And she had passed away. Now, of course, Fellini was on Josephine's ass about keeping her mouth quiet, but Josephine just had to tell someone um, of the born sex of her father, and that 
and that was a neighbor. And that neighbor told Annie, and that's when all hell broke loose. So my question is, why do y'all think Josephine just had to say something like she just couldn't keep that, couldn't keep that info to, you know, for her dead exclusive, like loose lips sink ships, you know, um, hey mate, um, it was probably resentment for not raising, um, for her father not raising her or not being around. I don't know what y'all think. Why y'all think Josephine just had to blow the whistle on her um, father? Like, of course, it's not right to have a wife that thinks that she has a husband. But in actuality, the husband was born a female. Like, you got to disclose information like that. This is an old-time story. So I got to say that Eugenia Fellini is like... Uh, OG like gotta be a pioneer in the LGBTQ plus community or something because um I only want to refer to her as a man like she was very he I'm sorry was very true to his religion of saying this is my identity like I don't know what to tell you so and I feel that um so look I'm just gonna get into and tell y'all that and he wanted to break up um, because she definitely confronted Fellini with the news of his born sex. And he didn't want to speak on it. He didn't admit to it, but he didn't deny because he didn't just he didn't want any running to the police. It seemed like that was just like his biggest fear is like the law. Um, and that's crazy. Well, I was fit to say that's crazy. It ain't like he was black or something, but he was, you know, a member of the LGBTQ plus community. And if you part of that community, you might as well, you know, I don't want to say um, minorities link up because they y'all probably don't consider everybody in that community, even though it's minorities. But speaking on Fellini, which was an Italian Australian man. It's just like you wanted to, and y'all see, I'm trying to choose my words wisely because I never want to be offensive, but it's just like Fellini wanting to be recognized as a male when he was born a female. You might as well have been black because they was going to treat you just as well as they treated a black person back then. Different and, um, not not included um just less than basically um and I don't like to really mm, it's 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 like some things some things don't be hard to explain but it'd be hard to speak on especially on a platform like this because it's like I don't I'm not in fear of saying the wrong thing I'm just in fear of offending anyone like if somebody really wanted to have a real raw conversation with me about racism and inclusion and segregation segregation and you know um white privilege or anything like that we can have a real raw conversation about it um because I'm pretty sure it's a lot of things that others would like to say also. But now, this is not the time or the place for it. Um, so I'm going to get back to the story. So 
So Annie confronted Fellini. She she wanted answers, and Fellini just couldn't give her the answers that she was looking for. So Annie wanted to break up. She like, this is not what I signed up for. You pulled the wool over my eyes. It ain't right. Um, and took Fellini on an outing, um, like a picnic, to break the news that she just didn't want to be with him no more. Fellini didn't take the news well, and they began to argue. Um, the year was 1917, um, when Annie found out about her husband's secret. So they lived, I would assume, happy for four years until the revelation, of course. And it was considered scandalous, so Fellini didn't want that news to travel. During their outing, Fellini said that Annie fell backwards and hit her head on a rock. She said that she died um, minutes later and also said that he panicked and burned her body. Um, Fellini told Annie's son and everyone else that Annie had ran away with another man. Um, Speaking about her mother... Josephine said that she can remember back to the age of seven. Her mother wore men's clothes and was known as Harry Crawford, a sea captain. She remembered mother being cruel, even hearing stories of mother trying to smother her as a baby. So Granny passed away. So when Granny passed away, Josephine was around 12. She said mother took her to a confectionery shop in Balmain. Mother introduced Josephine to Mrs. Burkett and her son Harry. Mother said Mrs. Burkett had some money and always thought mother was a man. So mother said she'll do away with herself before the police found out anything about her true sex. Mother said to always call her father. Josephine said that she didn't know that Fellini and Annie was married, but she did know that they shared the same bedroom. Okay, so Annie's body wasn't found right away. Her son, Harry, was suspicious maybe three years later and reported her missing to police. Um, The year is 1919 at this time. Actually, two years later, I'm sorry. Um, Fellini met and married a woman named Elizabeth King Allison. Um, Evidence was implying that Annie was burned alive. They were trying to say that it could have possibly been suicide. Um, On her body, there were no definite marks of violence. She was just burned. Um, So due to young Harry's suspicion of his stepdad, Fellini was arrested July 5th, 1920. Uh, Fellini actually tried on two occasions to kill young Harry, but couldn't do it. It was also said that Fellini couldn't read or write and often asked Harry to check the paper for him about burn victims. So that was something that made him suspicious also. The real scandal came when came when Fellini as Harry Crawford asked to be placed in a women's holding cell after he was arrested. And then everybody was like <gasps> the um uh, what they say um uh, not the bangs <gasps> the bangs no let me stop um So Annie's body was exhumed, but no new evidence ever came up. Fellini asked that his wife not be, his new wife Elizabeth not be made aware that he was transgendered. Um, Bell was not available for him, and young Harry made a statement saying that his mother only married Fellini because he was so persistent, and that the couple was not happy, and that they argued all the time. And you know, Josephine, Fellini's daughter, had a similar statement saying that Fellini and Annie always were 
were at odds and they always were at row. And I don't know what row was. I, I guess that's like an Australian saying. My Australian listeners, let me know. Always at row. Do that mean that they was always at odds or they always argue? Or is that like, go on, get your row off? I don't know, y'all. Um, but young Harry told a story of his mother trying to leave Fellini um, and Fellini finding them and tearing up and smashing all the shit up that was around them, like really losing his cool. And I like and like I said, um, Josephine made a statement, but she was a she was considered a hostile witness, meaning that she wasn't a witness. She was a witness for the prosecution, but she wasn't a favorable favorable witness for the prosecution because I guess she just chose to stay ten toes down with her dad because that the the statement that I said that Josephine made about remembering mother and mother saying call her father that was an earlier statement that she made to authorities and then later on kind of retracted that statement so she was a hostile witness the courts and the courts embarrassed Fellini by exposing his homemade deal though um the jury took like just all like questioned him question him and question him about this day i i feel like fellini was um ingenuitive is that how you say ingenuity ingenuity um that came along with constructing that then the ingenuity that came along with constructing that homemade deal though was was ahead of his time if you ask me he probably could have been like manufacturing those um headed patent or something because it's something that obviously worked because the women had not complained they had no idea that it wasn't authentic and it was something that wasn't painful to them or it didn't provide any diseases not that not not that was stated you know because you would think about like having it sterile or something so I feel like Fellini was on to something with them homemade dildos because it ain't like he was able to just walk to a store to just pick one up and the jury I feel I said the jury embarrassed him with that because it's like they focus so much with this murder trial it's like the courts focus so much on Fellini being transgendered, on actually focusing on his wife being murdered. So it wasn't really no real evidence that Fellini committed the crime. He was just guilty for being different. But maybe he did it, maybe he didn't. I don't know. I didn't make no definite decision about it um, when I read and researched the story. Um, so the jury only took two hours to deliberate. They sentenced Fellini to death um, February 1931. Fellini was released from prison, actually. It wasn't really no proof that, like I said, that Fellini murdered Annie. Um, he always denied it for the record. And it seemed that he was on trial more for being transgendered than for murder anyway. Um, but a condition on his release is that he had to live life as a woman, which I felt was real bogus and a slap in the face. It's like, okay, um, if he did murder Annie and that's what the court decided as a punishment for him because that they know that that probably would have ached at his soul, then fine. But by them doing that, just saying you got to live the rest of your life as a woman and they know that that's not what he identified as, I feel like that was just like a slap in the face. Um, them just trying to fuck with him almost. Um so, with the name Gene Ford, he became a landlady um, on June 9, 1938. 
and Gene Ford stepped off a curb and was struck by a car and died the next day from her injuries. Um, it's sad, it's sad that thinking that living in your truth is a criminal offense. Um, and Jean Ford was 62 years old when she stepped off the curb and died from those injuries. Um, and I will post pictures too, um, because when Fellini was a man, he was really a man. And looking at a picture when he's supposed to be a woman, I can't believe that it's him. So I just was like, wow, you man or a woman, you beautiful. Um, but if you're a murderer, no, you're not. No, I'm just playing. Like, y'all, I, it's like, it's important to focus on victims and respect victims because, oh my God, like, I can't even imagine, you know, anything like that happening to myself or anybody close to me or anybody like torture, rape, murder. I can't, I don't want anybody to ever go through that. But the minds of some of these murderers and criminals, It'd be like, God damn, like, who made you? Like, where did you come from? Um, but yeah, so for pictures, check out the Instagram at Lord Boy Obsession Podcast. Talk to me nice and send all messages and suggestions to Love or Obsession Podcast at gmail.com. And for everything queen and love or obsession, check out velmahood.com. Thank y'all for listening. I love y'all and I will be back next Tuesday. It's Queen. Peace out.